This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to Total Saints Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to the number one football team in Hampshire, which was rightfully reconfirmed just last week. Yes, we'll be chatting about a famous Saints win down at Fratton Park. I say win, I obviously mean a right humping, but I want to maintain a certain amount of class, of course. We'll also reflect on this weekend's Premier League game versus Spurs, although that was slightly less exciting. And finally, we'll preview the next fixture for Ralph Hasenhutl's South Coast Heroes against Frank Lampard's Chelsea Football Club. At least I think that's what they're officially called. Speaking of Ralph, just like a football manager making the most of his squad I've rotated the TSP matchday panel for this episode like last week Lucy and Glenn are here but I've given Adam a rest and bought in the attacking prowess of the returning Steve Grant I say rested Adam obviously he told me he was unavailable this week so uh, I've decided that uh, he shouldn't be and I promise it's not a Ralph Bertrand ego thing going on Uh, anyway Steve welcome back good uh, break in the USA yeah it was nice and hot Um, yeah it was uh... Yeah, nice and nice and chilled for for the most part. Yeah. Um, and obviously great to come back at six thirty on a on a Tuesday morning ahead of the derby into um, pissing rain, which was um, yeah, wonderful wonderful welcome home. Um, <laughs> but at least the uh, the rest of the day went to plan. Yeah, no, that's good. So as you say, uh, straight back into uh, reality. But uh, look, I mean, it's good to have you back. And uh, as you say, fresh from visiting Fratton Park, which we'll uh, catch up on in a moment. Um, just before we get the pod start, delighted to say that we'll be able to uh, recognise uh, a couple of uh, new patrons that have signed up to uh, support the podcast this week. So firstly to Tom McCann, who's signed up as a Klaus Lindet fan patron. Tom, thanks very much for you and 
your generosity. And second to Mark Baker, who signed up as a Matt Letizio patron, so uh, our highest type of patron. And uh, Mark also sent a note through, which I just wanted to read out. So he said, hi, guys, just wanted to say that I love the podcast and listen without fail every week. I really wanted to get involved and hope that my small contribution can help in some way maintain and, dare I say, even improve the pod. I think the combination of Ben, Adam, Steve and now Lucy with super sub Glenn stepping into the breach whenever needed makes it a must listen for all Saints supporters keep up the great work and keep marching in come on you Reds Mark very much appreciate it and uh, as I say you know welcome you to the uh, TSP patron clan right I can feel all of our podders like me chomping at the bit to get on with some Pompey chat let's go for it in partnership with saintsarchive.com and saintsworld.co.uk and sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk this is Total Saints podcast episode 86 Me? I could never own a hot tub. Stop it. That's the kind of negative thinking that's preventing you from sitting in a hot tub right now. Talk to Happy Hot Tubs today, where owning a hot tub is as easy as one, two, three. One, choose your hot tub. Two, choose your accessories. And three, choose the way you pay with 0% finance available on selected models. I could own a hot tub. That's the spirit. You deserve happy with Happy Hot Tubs. Happyhottubs.co.uk Tuesday the 24th of September 2019, a night every Saints fan, wherever you are in the world, will remember. Portsmouth nil, Southampton 4, glorious stuff. Adam has just dwelt on the ball a bit long, but he's still got it to Obafemi, 30 yards out. Finds Danny Ings, who shoots first time, McGilvery with a good save. Southampton's first shot of the evening, snapshot from Ings on his right foot. And McGillivray saved, and Ings will have another good deflection, Southampton, totally against the run of play, had the lead. But it is Danny Ings, who flies back into his own half. And he's found Obafemi with a good through ball. He looks to get Ings in. McGilvery can't get there before Ings, who toes it past him beautifully. Right-footed. That was a great counter-attack in the end. Saints might get it back in the box, and it is 3-0. And would you believe it? It is Cedric, the unlikeliest of goal scorers, who's wrapped it up. And Redmond's bearing down on the box, cuts inside to the D on his right foot and makes it 4-0. That's all his own work from Nathan Redmond. The Saints fans celebrate. They've beaten Pompey 4-0. Credit for the sound clips, of course, must go to Adam Blackmore and Radio Solent. Lucy, last week we said just win. They didn't let us down. They, they didn't even just win, did they? They absolutely smashed it. Yes. Um, I have to say, though... Eventually. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> the first half an hour wasn't comfortable viewing. It wasn't. To be quite honest, I don't actually know how we didn't concede in that first period, but... <laughs> We will. We'll, history doesn't remember that. That's that's mm. the important thing here. Four nil. Um, Danny Ings looking very good, I thought. Um, and yeah, looking kind of tactically quite conventional. I thought it was interesting that he didn't really kind of mix it up with any of his slightly crazy um, selections. Mm. And um, it all looked quite solid and quite um, quite good after the first kind of scare I suppose two minutes yeah absolutely well we're coming to talk about Danny Ings and uh, Alex McCarthy in a minute I must admit my wife walked in about uh, probably about 25 minutes into the game something like that and uh, asked what the score was and then pretty much Danny Ings scored and uh, I did that old cricket thing which I'm sure you you guys will appreciate where literally because Saints scored and they were doing well she was desperate to go to bed after about an hour but I wouldn't let her leave the room because obviously it was still 2-0 at that stage and uh, I didn't want anything to go wrong and you know in cricket that when things are going well you don't leave your seat but uh, Steve as we mentioned you were there of course um, so what did you make of the sort of game and the experience itself um i mean the experience itself in terms of getting down there was fine i mean for for me i i didn't go didn't go the usual route um that everybody else would have done i um because i wanted to get back up to london 
after the game. I mm. parked in parked in Haven't and got the train in from there. Yep. Um, so actually, I was, it was it was an easy route in for me because it meant that I was basically in with all their lot and just blended in. I wasn't wearing colours, obviously, mm. and literally just walked along Goldsmith Avenue, took a few photos of a few people being idiots, <laughs> um, turned down turned down the side street and walked walked into the away end, and it was it was easy. Obviously, going back was a little bit different. We got the obviously got the um, escort back to the station mm. and that was kind of where my plan fell apart because um, all their idiots were were still stood waiting on the platform at about 10 past 11 um, <laughs> because they they for whatever reason they didn't get on any of the preceding trains um, so I didn't actually get out at Fratton until um, about quarter past 20 past 11 mm. um, so that was slightly annoying yeah. um, but in terms of, in terms of the game itself I was I don't think I was ever particularly worried and um, sort of in a sort of, oh, we're, we're crapping ourselves here. I don't think that I don't think the, the atmosphere ever got to us. Mm. It was just that they were swarming all over us for the first 25 minutes. And it was very, very obvious that they that that was their entire game plan. Yeah, was basically first 25, first 25, 30 minutes, run at them, put them under pressure, force them into mistakes, see if we can get something early on. Mm. And then if we get something, then maybe that's when the psychological thing of the atmosphere and and the pressure of the situation maybe gets to us. Yeah. Fortunately, we didn't concede the goal. And I mean, they had, what, two or three present, pretty presentable chances. Yep. But other than that, I think most of their most of their opportunities were just pot shots. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if, if they're taking taking shots from 25 yards out on the corner of the area, it's like, well, I mean, if, if you stick that in the top corner, you say fair play to him but um i never felt i mean once mccarthy made that save from the header from the corner Mm. that was the that was the last time we were ever in any real danger i thought it was it was almost like uh, it was like watching pompey and it was almost like you think when you play fifa and the energy bar goes down it was almost like they blew themselves out of energy within 20 minutes hadn't scored and then literally had nothing to uh to go on from did they but uh glenn um, glenn i mean look four nil who would have predicted that eh glenn (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I said it'd be tight, didn't I? Um, yeah, okay, fair. But you'd have to be completely um, deluded, wouldn't you? You would. You would. You would definitely have to. Glenn, be. I have to True. be honest. I've spent some of the budget on some t-shirts. There are t-shirts being made, and there will be one coming your way. Oh, excellent! excellent. <laughs> yeah, three X, three XL. I, I, I still stand by what I said. I, uh, I think you would have to be completely deluded to expect to win four 0 before the game. I think what I um, didn't fully appreciate was quite how woeful Portsmouth were going to be. Mm. Um, <laughs> yes. They were they were shockingly bad after the first 25 minutes, after the first goal. Um, you know, I thought we were, we were the team that was supposed to be intimidated and we mm. were the ones that were supposed to fall to bits under the atmosphere. But, it, it, you know, if any of them, if any team fell apart, it was them. I didn't think they, they certainly didn't do a thing in the second half. No. Between the second goal and the third goal, when they really should have been trying to get the goal to get back into it, they, they just did nothing really. Um, it was extremely comfortable, mm. um, you know, watching Saints. We're, we're never comfortable in any game. <laughs> um, and so when it, when it does happen, um, it it's it just it just feels weird. Mm. Never really <laughs> felt like never really felt like Portsmouth were going to score no. in between the second goal and the third goal. No, and once agreed. the third goal went in, it was party time. And to be honest, if um, Nathan Redmond had got his head up a few times and passed the ball, we could have scored five or six. Yeah, that might have been overdoing it. I think, mightn't it? But uh, look, I mean, it would have been we... hilarious. Yeah, it? exactly. So, but look, before we move on, ahead of his short break and in the cold light of day, the morning after, I caught up with Adam to get some of his thoughts on the cup tie atmosphere, Alex McCarthy, Danny Ings, Ralph, those sort of things. Here's what he had to say. 
Adam, it's the uh, day after the night before. Saints have won 4-0 down at Fratton Park. Um, obviously, we're pre-recording this for TSP86, so thanks for giving us some of your thoughts and reflections. From a Saints point of view, very much job done. Yeah, completely job done, really. Um, I mean, one of those evenings where we'd spoken about before, the kind of really the result is paramount, it's above performance or anything like that, and a 4-0 win was you know, completely and utterly convincing, really, in terms of a final scoreline. The, the match itself didn't necessarily feel like that, I don't think, all no. the time. I don't. I think it was the score a tough line, open in 20 minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, I think the scoreline, final scoreline, probably did flatter Saints. Um, because, yeah, I mean, they, they it was a torrid 20 minutes. I think you, you would have expected Saints to have won comfortably mm. in terms of, you know, an outsider looking at it. Of course you would. They're two divisions above and, and Pompey is struggling a bit as well. Uh, so you'd think that Saints would would have won comfortably, but obviously there's no guarantees in football, and the uh, you kind of felt that Pompey would need a lot of things to go their way to to have a chance. Um, yep. And then just before the game, some of those sort of minor levelers kind of appeared. The rain just started absolutely bucketing down, um, and then uh, the wind really whipped up, and Saints had to defend that wind to start with. And you know, it's so sort yeah. of little minor things the conditions that you feel like all oh, those will be potential little levelers um and then pompey obviously started well and saints uh, unfortunately as we yeah. as we're becoming accustomed to started very slowly mm. um and to be totally honest saints were very very fortunate again yet again uh to kind of get away with it a little mm. bit um pompey just yeah they had a little bit of misfortune McCarthy was excellent yeah. and um yeah and there're probably a couple of chances that they should have taken that they didn't which was their fault so Saints kind of got away with it and I think there was a feeling even um you know even sat where the press box is is right amongst the Pompey fans that there was sort of a little bit of a a general sense kind of after 20 you know sort of 15 minutes maybe before Ings had, had scored for Saints that we kind of from Pompey fans we've started well and we've not scored this is only going to end badly now um, <laughs> yeah. because Saints' class was always going to show at some point and if Pompey had had those little levelers of the conditions and then had got a goal as well then kind of you they would probably have believed the upset was on but the longer that it went on I think you know the less belief they had and obviously once Ings made it 2-0 there was I don't think there was any expectation from the Pompey fans whatsoever that they were realistically going to get back into it yeah and we've uh, you know Saints fans and you've watched Saints many many years I think how many times have we seen Saints start really well not take their chances and then go 1-0 down so it did have that feeling of uh, the shoe being on the <laughs> other foot for a change didn't it but uh, look I mean we spoke uh, a lot about the atmosphere before the game and um, Ralph obviously commented it afterwards what did you make of the atmosphere within the stadium and particularly you know Saints fans there there weren't many of them but you know managed to get their voices heard uh, in, a, in a quite uh, intense environment environment it was absolutely rocking i mean the atmosphere was amazing mm. it was electric at times um the whole ground was singing so loudly all the pompey fans all the saints fans it, it was just uh it was incredible and it was it was interesting because um i think we had a little offline discussion about it as well but obviously I, I, kind of ralph i think was getting a bit sick to death in the build-up of mm. answering the question do you understand what this is really all about <laughs> yeah um but Ralph was very good at, at saying, yes, he understood. But then when pressed on kind of what he understood, it didn't sound like he understood at all. <laughs> and he was a bit, I thought he was a bit dismissive in the end. It might have just been that he was frustrated with the quest, constant questioning. Mm. But 
was was just sort of saying, oh, our players have played in derby games, yeah, around the world. But I've even I've seen played in derby games, so yeah, it's nothing new. And you're thinking, hmm, <laughs> yeah, you're in for a rude awakening, mate, when you step out on that touchline at Fratton Park. And yeah. sure enough, I think afterwards I said to him. I actually asked him my first question to him in the press afterwards was you said before the game you understood do you now really understand and he laughed and was like yeah kind of basically yeah I really get it now (laughs) yeah this was this was intense and even he was like I've never experienced anything like this I've been all around the world as a player and a manager and I've never known anything like this yeah. uh, which is what we had all kind of been getting at beforehand and that he hadn't quite understood but yeah the atmosphere was amazing and i mean you know i don't you don't we don't want to be a podcast going on too much about pompey but even the pompey fans to keep going at you know four nil down mm. three nil down four nil down when you're getting absolutely stuffed by your local rivals and in, in a fairly one-sided fashion was was impressive mm. and obviously the saints fans as you can imagine, we're absolutely loving life. Yeah. Uh, why wouldn't you? Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I think as well, great credit to the police because they, they did a good job outside the ground. It mm. passed off largely peacefully yep. uh, um, with an amazing atmosphere in the ground and a real derby game that threatened an upset. In the end, it, it did, you know, I suppose for the neutral, it was perhaps a bit of a damn squib eventually. Mm. Uh, but a night where it was a great showcase for the South Coast derby. It was a real derby in every sense, a great derby, um, and obviously the right result for Saints. And I think you're right. I mean, the police do take a lot of criticism in our day-to-day life, don't they? And it was a big operation. I know they've spent a lot of time, you know, you've seen it on Twitter and the the Saints FC cop talking about it, and they've spoken with groups of fans and things like that. So I think, you know, the policing, fair play to them, they did do a good job. All we want is everyone to get there safely from both sets of fans, get in the ground, enjoy the game, get home safely. So, you know, well done to them. We're not going to go through every single Saints player, Adam, but there was a couple of standouts, I thought, particularly in in a team that overall played really really well really committed performances um i was going to just briefly talk to you about alex mccarthy and then danny obviously um look alex mccarthy was recalled he kept goal i thought with real real confidence as you mentioned earlier the conditions were really tough for a goalkeeper out there windy and rainy and that sort of thing it was a, a really you know tough opening 20 minutes and he made a couple of excellent saves but as i say, i just thought throughout the game he looked like a calm assured presence back there he really gave an air of confidence didn't he to the defense i thought he, he um yeah, I mean, we talked about it on the pod, didn't we, about the possibility of whether he came back in, yeah. um, uh, you know, sort of previewing the game. And, and I think it was the right decision. Um, funnily enough, I was I was out with a friend of mine on, on Monday and we were we were sort of going through what would your team be. Mm. Um, and pretty much, actually, Ralph selected exactly the team that I picked actually yep. to, to a man. I was quite, quite amazed to see the team sheet. I was like, oh, that's the team I picked. But I did think... <laughs> McCarthy having having mused on it would be a good bet his experience you know we we all like Gunn and think that you know there is a chance that this guy is the future for Saints for many years as a goalkeeper but Mm. he is still young he is still inexperienced and he is because of that a little bit inconsistent and a little bit flaky and um I think that having having you've got McCarthy there for a reason he is a perfectly adequate number one. He did absolutely nothing wrong in losing his number one status. It wasn't like he was, you know, shipping howlers left, right and centre. Mm. He, he kind of could feel rightly aggrieved. And I think he probably, not only is he a very solid goalkeeper for those kind of conditions, but we've always said he's he's kind of a, you know what you're going to get from him type of goalkeeper, isn't he? He's yeah. not 
always spectacular yep. at, at anything, but he's, he's very consistent. solid. Yeah, consistent. Yeah. Yep. And then in, when you know you're facing that kind of barrage, both physical from the players and verbal, mental from the stands, you need a guy who's tough and experienced and who's not going to let any of that get to them. Mm. And McCarthy was exactly that that person they needed. He was that calm head. And, and I think that Ralph, in picking the team, did the right thing in in many ways. But obviously going with experience yeah. um, was key and yeah. was correct. And I think that his pick of McCarthy was fully justified. And I, I guess that he will probably go back to Angus Gunn now in the Premier League. But yet again, you feel like McCarthy can't have done any more to yeah. have, to have stated his case for, for why he should be playing every week. And just briefly, I guess that's where it's good to have the experience of Calvin Davis, Dave Watson, Andrew Sparks alongside him, all three goalkeepers that will have, you know, that knowledge and sort of think that this is going to be an intense atmosphere. We know what derbies are like, particularly this Portsmouth Southampton game. He probably is a better bet to go for. I know that managers tend to sort of shuffle their cards a bit for cup games anyway, but maybe that is where it's a word in the ear of Ralph to say that McCarthy's probably a sensible shout for this game anyway. Well, you would guess, like you you hinted out there, that the chances are that McCarthy would have played mm. had this been, I don't know, Rochdale away or yeah. some, you know, in the cup or something like that. That probably McCarthy will be the cup goalkeeper this year because they need to keep him sharp and give him some games. So he probably would have been playing regardless. I guess the only question would have been in Ralph's mind for this one. Well, I need to play probably about my strongest team here so um so do i just kind of stick with the the premier league goalkeeper well actually when you've got two goalkeepers i think that are pretty hard to choose between then you would think well okay maybe i stick with plan a and go with mccarthy but then when you actually look at the attributes that they've got then McCarthy, I think, was the obvious choice. Mm, yeah. Look, um, as I mentioned earlier, just to, to pick up on um, Danny as well. So I put a tweet out just uh, earlier in the week around Danny Ings and sort of, you know, being a dream for any Saints fan to, to sort of score a goal at the Fratton end and knee slide in front of their fans and that sort of thing. Adam, obviously, he got to, to live that dream for all of us. But, you know, goals aside, two wonderful finishes from him. You know, great pass from Obafemi for the second. But I thought his all-round play, you know, he showed real endeavour and real commitment right across the pitch, tackling back, chasing back, all those sort of things as well. So, you know, a fantastic performance from a player who again has been sort of in and out of the side yeah and he's from your neck of the woods as well isn't he yeah he is he is yep yeah well he was superb wasn't he he was absolutely immense Danny Ings I mean I guess he like you said he grew up uh, as a as a Saints fan and so this was a game that probably meant a lot to him I guess weirdly I I suppose because we didn't know that Ings would start Mm. there wasn't as much focus on him and obviously a lot of the focus was on Ward Prowse wasn't it and and the talk of of his links with Portsmouth and probably the fact that that Ings was a uh, boyhood Saints fan kind of went under the radar just because it wasn't certain that he would be playing but again when I kind of picked my team he was in he was in my side because of the experience because of how solid he is and that extra bit of quality he's got um, that I I thought would cause Pompey problems. I didn't really necessarily foresee it would be quite such an immense performance from him, Mm. but probably his best performance since he's been at the club and really encouraging if he can now take that on. I think that's what we all want to see is him taking that on and playing every single week. I mean, there is, even if they don't play as a two, him and Che Adams, I think as much as I like what Adams has done and is doing, it is now just you're just beginning to think that maybe 
looking at Adams's all-round play, he's beginning to lose a little bit of confidence Agreed, just yeah. because of the lack of goals now. Um, and maybe if it continues much longer, Ralph might think actually it's time to give him a breather mm. and just take the pressure off him. Well, I mean, Danny Ings has kind of maybe accelerated that decision still further because if Ralph does decide he doesn't want to play them as a two, mm. well, I mean, this if Danny Ings is going to be in that kind of form, well, you've got your almost £19 million striker that you yeah. paid for that you've kind of been waiting to get fully fit and sort of show up. And so, yeah, it was a cracking performance that showed so much about what he can do and what he can deliver. It's just a case of now... From the Saints' point of view, you want to see that more regularly in the Premier League. Yeah, and I think you're right with Che. I mean, it's you know you could sort of evidently see. I think there was a occasion first half, I think, where he just went to pass it and pass it straight out, playing some of his dribbling that sort of thing. But you know, it's still early in his Saints career, and I think you know important that we carry on backing him. And I know you're not saying that we shouldn't do that, but I think it will be interesting to see how Ralph uh, handles that situation. So just finally on the game, then Adam, you know, we spoke about Ralph in the last episode and the pressure on him about this game and getting a result. You know, ultimately it was all about winning, but four nil, another clean sheet um you know i know there was some uh, stats wasn't there after the sheffield united game that we'd won three away games with three clean sheets for the first time since 1986 this is obviously four away games now one with uh, four clean sheets so it's probably since about 1066 or something like that i don't know <laughs> but uh, i mean ultimately he'll be a very happy and satisfied man with the way that saints went about it and the commitment they showed yeah of course he will and i think that saints fans can also be happy with ralph as well i mean the, he is rightly come in for some stick and I, I don't I don't disagree with it I've been criticizing as well um when we think back to just the last pod which seems like so long ago already yes. <laughs> um, so it feels like a long time but um we you know I I sort of said the the thing I thought about what had happened was was yes I felt Ralph had made some mistakes but the key was was he going to learn from them mm. or was he going to just be completely stubborn about it? And and he showed that he learned from them because he went for, with Pompey with the team most people would have picked. Yeah. He went simple and easy to understand formation. He didn't overthink it. He didn't try and be too clever, um, which is the accusation of what's been happening more recently. Mm. Um, and in the in the aftermath of Bournemouth, kind of that that experimenting came to an end. Hopefully that will continue now. But you, to me, that was a good sign because that, that as I said on the, the that previous pod, we all make mistakes. We all get into the mindset of thinking sometimes something we're doing is definitely right. Even when there's a lot of evidence to the contrary, we think, well, no, I, I really believe this. So I'm going to keep trying to make this work for whatever the motivation or reason is. Yep. And then eventually so you get to a point where you just have to hold your hands up and go, OK, this isn't working. So I'm going to have to try something different. And that that kind of I think that reached that key moment against Bournemouth. Was he going to now sort of I'll say swallow his pride? Maybe that's the wrong way to put it slightly. But was he going to be prepared to sort of admit with a new team selection that kind of he 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 needed to rein it in a little bit? Mm. Or was he just going to you know stubbornly plow on regardless? And the sign of, I think, a really good manager is somebody who can recognise that it hasn't gone well and then make that kind of adjustment. Um, even though, you know, in the face of it, I suppose some people would say, oh, that's what we always told you you should do. Yeah. So you do lose a little bit, tiny little bit of face. But actually, that's much better than losing a lot more face by sticking with it. And Ralph did that. He made the right decisions. He made the right calls. He, he played the Portsmouth game, the team selection and everything like that absolutely perfectly. 
Um, and and now again a bit, a bit like Dan we said with Danny Ings, you kind of just hope that you know keeps going and continues into um, into their Premier League form. But I think this was an encouraging sign, and and you know it's let's be honest, it's a one-off match yep. against Portsmouth. It's you know the first win there in in 35 years, whatever. And while completely it is fair to say that it was a premier league team against a league one team so you would fully expect a saints victory they still needed to go out and do it and they still and they've and they've done it and so they kind of deserve their moment in the sun including the manager um who's obviously coming for a bit of stick lucy spoke about the first 20 minutes there how vital do you think it was for saints getting through that because we have started games very slowly in the first half this season you know that was the first time we managed to get on the score sheet but uh, as we sort of mentioned you know particularly not only the sort of um, rear guard action but particularly alex mccarthy's performance as well yeah um it, it for a while it did I, I feel like steve's particularly confident that nothing would have happened but it felt <laughs> to me kind of perhaps more isolated from the atmosphere it mm. felt to me like you know that we were rocking and I think had had a goal gone in um it kind of changes the whole dynamic of the game because then as Steve said you know you start to wonder if if the atmosphere gets under their skin you know if they start to kind of lose their way get frustrated um there were quite a lot of like quite pointless long balls I thought we were doing in that first period where we didn't really seem to understand how to kind of control the game despite clearly having kind of quite an advantage in terms of skill Mm. we were just kind of pumping the ball forward a lot and that's not really Danny Ings' game. And if you're, you know, a uh, kind of centre back for a lower league team, that's not going to be the sort of stuff that, you know, intimidates you or shifts you out of position or whatever. Um, and, and it did become important that McCarthy looked quite so solid. And if you, and I'm kind of skipping ahead a little here, couple that with uh, Gunn's slightly questionable performance at the, we- at the weekend, um, it kind of it becomes all the more interesting that he was picked for that game and, and whether that becomes kind of an issue further down the line if if kind of Gunn's problems persist. Because I think we thought at the beginning of the season that Gunn had kind of got over the issues he was having towards the back end of last season. Yep. Um, we thought, you know, that perhaps the, the goalkeeping change coach what, coaching-wise it had made a difference. Mm. And now we're seeing these issues crop up again. Um, and, and and McCarthy kind of made quite a valuable contribution, and you, and you wonder if if that has a kind of um, impact going forward. And I know uh, Glenn always thinks he'd rather have McCarthy. So yeah. um, thank yeah, you exactly. for that. I'll get some predictions right. <laughs> no, no, yeah, we haven't got any t-shirts made with that yeah, one going, but, so, yeah, so, but, but you're right. I mean, obviously we all talk about Spurs, and as you say, Lucy, Ralph did call out Angus after that game. And Glenn, I mean, as, as Lucy said there, and I think I probably agree with you, you know, while we all rate Angus Gunn's long-term potential, I think you've always felt Alex McCarthy is the number one, right? Yes, I've, I've, I thought that all the way through last season. I thought mm. he was very unlucky to be left out um, when he was. Um, I can kind of... I could understand Ralph kind of when he first came in wanting to give Angus Gunn a go to see what he was like. Um, but I was, I was never fully comfortable with the decision to make Angus Gunn number one. And to be honest, nothing I've seen since the tail end of last season has, has really made me change my mind at all. No. Um, you know, there, there, there's been a few questionable goals this season already. A bit unfortunate Spurs won. Um, but again, he just... He didn't really mark himself big. He kind of made himself the opposite. It was like he curled up in a ball almost. Mm. It was it was it was a strange one. But I think McCarthy just played because he's the Carabao Cup goalkeeper, yeah. um, and he, it's a change that we can make without you know if 
if you think Gunn is number one, McCarthy's certainly not much worse than him, so it doesn't weaken the team much. Mm. So I think it was just a case of he's a Carabao Cup goalkeeper, but I think he proved in that game that he's the better goalkeeper. Yeah. Again. It'll be interesting to see what happens when he comes back. Obviously, I think he's got a slight niggle, hasn't he? Which is why he wasn't in contention for Spurs yeah. and wasn't on the bench. But uh, look, I mean, moving to the other end of the pitch, then Steve, um, Danny Ings, of course. Um, I think the performance that any young Saints fan would dream of growing up, um, scoring a couple of goals against Pompey, a couple of knee slides. I thought he was going to go full Adebayor for the first one, but he did, I think he probably ran out of puff. But uh, look, I mean, <laughs> he, he spoke about the game and spoke about his dreams, but I mean, nailed it really, didn't he? Yes. And um, yeah, where be- where better to do so than at the Fratton end? Yeah, um, exactly. I'm really desperately hoping to find somewhere where I can get a high res um, photo. Um, basically, it's a Getty Images photo of him sliding in front of the Fratton end, and you can see that one Saints fan in the disabled yeah, section yeah, yeah, with, exactly. with his yeah. thumbs up. Yeah, Le- Lisa Tibble's dad, I believe, she's been going on about it all week. So I don't know Lisa, but I know uh, it's her dad. I think so. Fair play oh, to him. Oh, I want to get a copy of that photo, but unfortunately, yeah. Getty charged £375 for it. Yeah, and and, and um, the other problem, I think, is Matt Watson, who I know listens to the pod. So, Matt... He was at the other, he's in the photo. He was taking the photos of him right right there, wasn't he? So, I think that was the trouble. He was probably a bit too close, yeah? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for, for Ings to, to be the one that that kind of... His goal settled it, really. It was... Mm. it was Once they got 2-0, there was no way they were coming back from that, really. Mm. Um, particularly right on, right on half-time as well. So... Uh, Kenny Jackett's uh, halftime team talks kind of thrown thrown out the window with a minute to go, um, <laughs> yeah. which is which is always always glorious in that sort of situation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought Ings was Ings was very good. And um, speaking to a Pompey supporting friend of mine, he basically said that like um, he was kind of struck by how clearly miles apart even someone like Ings is from mm. from anyone they've seen at Fratton for years. Mm. And let's I mean let's be honest, he's a fairly sort of middle of the road Premier League player in yeah. in the grand scheme of things and yet he was just head and shoulders above anything that that they could um they could throw at uh, throw at us yeah I mean to be fair though Steve even when he joined last season from Liverpool I thought straight away watching him like even his movement looked a level above us and it's almost like we've dragged him down to our level a bit but it, you know even you know even when he did come yeah, he, you could tell he'd been at that. a bigger club yeah I mean I think the the movement thing was I mean we'd had what not um, a year or so of uh, watching Charlie Austin waddle around. Um, so I mean, I mean, you, you're, you or I would move true, faster than true. Austin, I think. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, and and look, I mean, obviously it does feel like a long time ago, Lucy. We were just saying that before we started the pod, and obviously spares aside, um, you know, how how characterful do you think that sort of game in those conditions and that atmosphere could be for some of these Saints players? Because there was a lot of experience in the side, but likewise, some of them wouldn't have played in those sort of environments. So longer term for Saints, you know, the rest of this season, for example, how how much do you think a performance and a result like that could help them? Mm, I want to say lots, but actually yeah. I think when you kind of put it in context as to kind of how the rest of the season is, you know, kind of gapping quality yeah. more generally and, and kind of the other experiences they'll have the season, which kind of are kind of worlds apart from that, mm. um, given the kind of comfort of that second half, I, I can't really see it being a huge influence. Yeah. Um but that said, I was really impressed by kind of how much Ward Prowse really kind of got into the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was quite a interesting step in his development as a kind of character within the team. Because I felt like he, you know, being a local lad kind of had understood the significance of the derby and, and really like got into it. But not necessarily just in a kind of, you know, like bantering way, but in, in the way he tried to kind of get on the ball. And at a time in the game when we weren't potentially kind of making the most of the ball, mm he seemed to kind of get his foot in and and I think he there is an interesting point there 
I think Hoybier hasn't been at his best. No. And I do wonder if there is potential going forward, given the kind of performance Ward Prowse gave, whether he might be given kind of a go in that central midfield berth. Mm. Um, he, he seems, but, I mean, yeah. you know, we spoke about it last season, Lucy, didn't we, a bit, you know, on the pod, and I think, you know, probably as fans as well, that he seems to have bulked up a bit. He's not afraid to stick his foot in and make a bit of a tackle. He, he, you know, he used to get brushed off the ball very easily. I'm not saying he's stacked these days, but he does, you know, he does like a tackle now, and that's the sort of thing you need in a central midfield position. Yeah, and he's, yeah, he's, it's not necessarily even that physical change, but it's kind of approach to using his body and, mm-hmm. and using the physical side of the game and having a bit of edge to him. There is a kind of, a, a bit of a kind of nasty edge to him. And I think there was for many years this kind of concern that he was a bit nice, yeah. that if he wasn't careful, the kind of game passed him by and it, it was all a bit, yeah, a bit kind of concentrating on his, his immense technical ability, but not really kind of doing enough off the ball and, and kind of when we're on the back foot, mm. which you need to do if you are going to play in the, in a kind of more combative role. And I did, I'm not sure the way he's being used at the moment, like we saw at the weekend with uh, the, the right wing back spot. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that or the right wing role really suits his, his skills as they've kind of developed now. And I think... He's getting to a point in his career where he he needs to establish some kind of long term position and, and long term role. Yeah, I don't think any of us are ever going to like him at right wing back, really, are we? But uh, <laughs> no, and, and I mean, Glenn, we spoke about stats after the Bournemouth game last week and uh, the fact that uh, you know we'd had a lot more shots. It was kind of almost role reversal down at Fratton. I know the score obviously ended up being four nil, but Pompey did end up having more shots. I think we had a seventh as many corners of them. I think we had one, they had seven, that sort of thing. But you know, as as, as we know in football, and we've often seen with Saints, it's not how many, it's how many you take, right? It's yeah. The only stats that matter is the is the goals at the end mm. of the day. I'm not I'm not a, um, a massive fan of uh, the overstatting that goes on <laughs> these days. Um, yeah, I've had a few arguments with people about that. Fine, if you get something out of it, then great. But um, I think I think it takes something away from almost watching the game with your own eyes. Mm. Sometimes you you can see things that you don't need stats to tell you. But um, yeah, I mean for all for all Pompey's pressure. In, in the first 20 minutes, what was it? Two, two, three chances yeah, anywhere near the goal. Ones, really, yep. You know, yep. it it really wasn't much. I mean, the the bit of the game that that really mattered was the the bit from 20 minutes to 70 minutes when yep. they did absolutely nothing. Um, <laughs> going back to the Charlie Austin comment, wasn't it nice to see Brett Pittman? It was like Charlie Austin reincarnated. R- remind us of your uh, uh, was, remind us of your blog line about Brett Pittman, Glenn. Well, it was something about looking like a guy who drunk eight pints waddling through a bar at the end of the night trying not to knock everyone's beer over trying to get to the kebab shop is exactly what he looked like he was yeah he was he was unreal yeah. um i remember him from earlier on in the season yelling at a ball boy or something so he's a, he's obviously a, a you know an austin type yeah. of character so uh, fits, yeah, fits him well yeah. down there yeah yeah yeah, yeah he does he's he's Bit, probably the poster boy down there I expect <laughs> there we go but today uh, no, cool I mean as uh, Adam and I discussed and we did in the pod last week there was a lot of pressure on Ralph to win the game of course after the game he was a very happy man as he told SouthamptonFC.com unbelievable for us important for the fans very important and uh, I'm very proud of my team and of the fans because um, we had really a, a hard fight today and it was not easy but I'm very happy that they showed us uh, the way, and, and um, I'm happy that we reached reach the next round. We had a little bit of luck in the first 15 minutes, so they had two or three chances. It's always tight against such an opponent, and if you score in the right moment, and I think that the first goal was our first chance, then everything can turn, and I think it was 
fantastic performance from Ingsi today and, and he worked hard and he deserved to get his two goals and uh, helped us massively today. Steve, I think we can agree that probably whatever and wherever Ralph goes from here, I think that that game and that win and knowing what it meant to Saints fans is something he'll probably uh, always remember. Yes, uh, I would imagine so. Um, I mean, last time we won down there was 84 and um, we've had a, we've had a few attempts down there and managers have come and gone, some some better than others, mm. but none, no others have managed to managed to win down there and obviously by a record margin. So yeah, I yep. mean he's he's in the uh, in the record books. Um, for for the right reasons already, um, regardless of kind of what what happens uh, from this point forward. Yeah, I mean, look, just briefly reflecting on the draw. I mean, it doesn't really matter because we beat in Pompey, so who really cares? But as, <laughs> as you as you put out a great stat this week, and I know Adam loves getting in the course and driving to grounds here, there, and everywhere up the country. But ten away draws in a row in all cup competitions. I mean, they must they must put little I don't know little prickles on the Saints ball so they they know to pick them out for an away game or something, mustn't they? It's it's weird how these things kind of go in peaks and troughs at times because I, I remember because um, when I posted that I had a, had a reply back from um, I think it was Andy Gray who's one of the ground staff oh, down, yeah. s- down at Staplewood and he and he said that um, they'd had I think we'd had 13 home draws in a row at one point in <laughs> around 2010-11 right um, so obviously the the years where we, obviously uh, Johnson's played trophy run um, and we had a couple of couple of half decent uh, cup runs in both FA Cup and League Cup as well. And we had so many, so many extra home games at, um, in that period. So mm. I guess there's a, there's kind of a balancing effect. I mean, the, the theory is that it's a 50, 50 shot, but I mean, nobody's ever, never entirely convinced, are they? No, I mean, all I can think is that at the start of the season, Saints get sent like the FA Cup bannering and they get sent the Carabao Cup bannering to go around the ground and all that sort of thing. And they just send it straight back these days. But uh, there we go. Um, look, just to finish, having maintained our respectful calm throughout the last few weeks ahead of the game, I think probably because we didn't want Saints to bottle it, I felt it only right to end by reading some post-game tweets from good old Pompey fan Joe Mickelchuck. <laughs> I think that's how you pronounce it. So uh, at, uh, oh, at the, uh, oh, the, the, the Poundland, Poundland the Alan Poundland Car. Alan Car- as I saw Chris have called him yeah so um, he's at Joe M- uh, Micklechuck on uh, Twitter if you want to look him up but uh, if you haven't read these I thought it would be good and I took screenshots because I'm sure that uh, in the cold light of day that Joe might have deleted them and surprisingly he hasn't yet but uh, here we go um, Pompey thoughts from Joe number one Saints FC one of the worst set of fans at Fratton looked absolutely petrified in the first 20 minutes and scared to pipe up even sporadically which is no surprise as they've no heritage or history that sort of big game is new to them as a fan base tweet number two they have a song about shall it be Pompey shall it be Saints which blew my mind there was no way it would ever be a choice to support Saints for anyone from Pompey they just don't get it what it means to love a club it's a hobby for them a pastime rather than a passion tweet number three that's the first Saints FC win at Fratton in over 30 years and the first time they beat Pompey in over 10 they were due a win if we haven't beat them in the next 30 years I'll start worrying about it and number four and finally enjoy your evening Saints FC always good to stick one over us especially when it's such a rare feeling but you'll always be in Pompey's shadow we can have a chat about that point if you ever win another FA Cup and two Premier League titles so first things first Joe congratulations on your Premier League titles Um, I don't Mm. think that's news to all of us but I have to say that uh, it's almost as satisfying as the win itself so dry your eyes mate moving on briefly to discuss the Spurs game then Steve after all the Pompey sort of uh, excitement a bit of a frustrating day at the office a chance missed Utterly infuriating. Um, <laughs> Back to reality, eh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just... I mean, they were... I mean, Spurs were okay, but 
they just kept us at arm's length and we we kind of we kind of did everything right up until we were 25 yards from goal <laughs> hmm. and then it went from side to side to side to side doesn't sound like saying <laughs> well yeah i know but it's 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 just i mean try something different occasionally yeah um and it's yeah just just frustrating that we'd we'd kind of got ourselves into into quite a good position. I mean, they, I mean, obviously they gave us the goal with the equaliser. I mean, what the hell Larissa doing there? I mean, is, is anybody's guess? It's great but watching though, isn't it? Great great it's great fun when it, when it goes your way. And yeah. I mean, of course we've, I mean, Ings has, Ings has now got two goals this season on, on the strength of literally doing that. Well, I, and, and he had two in pre-season. If you remember Preston and where was the other one? I'm yes, sure uh, Preston and um, Feyenoord. Feyenoord, there you go. You see, so yeah, he's making a career out of these, isn't he? So yeah. Yeah, it's, what, it's really it's really interesting if you watch if you watch his movement on the on the Larice thing because mm. he starts off with jogging, then he gets a little bit quicker, and then right at the last, he absolutely sprints towards him, mm. and it obviously catches him out. So I, I think it's it's more than luck; it's something he works mm, on. Definitely. Oh, yeah, 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 the, yeah, the, the, the pace that, the pace that he goes in in at is is very much. I think he's he's worked on that. Mm. It's a case of right, which, which is the point at which I'm going to surprise the keeper the most. Yeah, yeah. Because if yeah. you if you just sprint in, keeper's just going to get rid of it straight away. Yeah, absolutely. But then if you amble in, you then give him you give him the opportunity to weigh something up, mm. and then you and then you turn on turn on the afterburners, and all of a sudden he's like, oh crap, I'm got I haven't got that space anymore. I know. I'll try a cross turn. Yeah, that will totally like, work. Boris, yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and such a sloppy one too. Not even a good one. <laughs> <laughs> we did, I don't think he made any contact with the ball. No, did he, he, when didn't, he, he didn't, no. didn't get studs on it. <laughs> no. no. I mean, as, as we say, Lucy. I mean, I'm, I'm going to ask Glenn a bit more about Ralph in a minute, maybe tactically. But just from your point of view of the game, I mean, getting Spurs off the back of the Colchester exit. I mean, they're not in a good run of form down to 10 men for more than an hour. I mean, that was a massive opportunity for Saints and almost typical Saints, as we say. Yeah, that it was. It was all building to a. You felt like when that that Aurier. I, I don't know if it is a second yellow. It probably is a second yellow, but he's such a loose cannon, mm. and, and you just think, right, we we've got him down to ten men. You know, this is the opportunity. A team, as you said, in in kind of pretty dire form for mm. for the kind of the standard they play at, and we just sort of let them off the hook, really. Yeah. Um, and it's difficult to kind of analyse it beyond that. Um, I, saw, I saw someone today, I, I can't, one of the Spurs players, I have no idea who it was, calling it a season-defining win. I mean, Christ, that's, that's, that makes it sound yeah, even worse. Well, that's, that's going to be a soul-destroying season. That's going to be a soul-destroying season for them, then, if that's a season-defining <laughs> exactly, win. Exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, last last season, they scored three in the second half of Champions League semi-final away from home to, to, um, to get to the Champions League final. Yeah. That's a season-defining win. That's... Winning two one against against Saints who have um who have put a central midfielder at right back for unfathomable reasons. <laughs> That's not a season defining win. No, I'm no. sure the DVD will sell well. Exactly, exactly. And look, I mean, you know, obviously we're not going to go over the top, Glenn, but uh, again, some question marks I think towards Ralph. You know, maybe why he played three at the back for so long. Um, Jan Valery obviously was on the bench. I know he said he's struggling a bit, but when Cedric did pull out, so um, you know, three at the back for so long, particularly against ten men. And I think the other thing that frustrated quite a few of us was that I think it was 79th minute he made the first sub when we hadn't really created much in that second half. So questionable some of his substitutions in terms of how late they came. 
Yeah, well, the, the substitutions were ridiculous. Um, it, it's interesting. Lucy was praising him last week or the week before, and rightly so, about his in-game changes yeah, that he makes. Yeah, he's making him look to, like uh, an idiot now. <laughs> but, yeah, well, someone else has got to look like an idiot. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Instead of just me. But, um, but up until 79 minutes, we still had Vestergaard, Yoshida, Bednarek and Romeo all mm. on the pitch, and we're 2-1 down. That's four players who are going to give you absolutely nothing yeah. going forward. Spurs weren't attacking. Mm. And so, so basically what Spurs were doing was they weren't bother marking any of those four when they sort of lumbered forward. And they were double marking Ings and double marking Buffal. And there, there was nowhere to go. Yeah. And it, it just, it was 20 minutes too late. In fact, it was probably 30 minutes too late at half time. Oh, yeah. I wondered if there would have been half time subs, but then. Yeah. But then, the, you know, the problem started before the whistle, didn't they? With Cedric pulling out. And yeah. I, I could... I'm, I'm a bit concerned about what this does for Jan Valerie because Jan Valerie mm. last year was like the poster boy of the, you know, if you're, if you're good enough, we'll put you in. And yeah. Ralph yeah. has faith in these young players. And he, he came in and he, he was the poster boy for that. And he played really well. He did well, yeah. And he's now not even considered mm. um, as a like-for-like replacement yeah. two minutes before the kickoff. And he, and he did um, say it was because he felt Spurs were playing a diamond or something, but even then you still think, particularly in the second was, half, I mean, yeah. why not You know, why yeah. not bring him on and get him bombing up the line or something? I was trying to find some justification for it, and Ralph's interview that he did with Adam Blackmore kind of explains it a little bit, but I think he, he had this opportunity to change the team after he knew the Spurs lineup. Now, Spurs... True. Spurs have had Lamella playing every game this season so far, and Ericsson played. So maybe Ericsson tends to play a little bit more centrally. So maybe, you know, and he obviously thought they're going to play this diamond formation. So he, so he changed it a little bit. But the main problem for me was that it got Vestergaard on the pitch. Mm. Um, and Vestergaard is, is OK if we're compact. You know, he's just about passable if we're compact. But as soon as the game gets stretched out, He's an absolute liability and mm. because he has to run. And if you you look at the second goal, again, we have the six foot six defender who doesn't win the header. Yeah. And he doesn't clear out Harry Kane either. No. You know, you've got to do one or the other. Yeah. Um, Kane wins the header, spins off him, gets into the penalty box, scores the goal. Yeah. And it's 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 just it's just horrible. And and in these away games against you know, the good sides. I just don't think you can afford to have him on the pitch because no. if, if there's space to, you know, if, if teams play in the space behind him, he's a, he's a liability. Yeah. But, you know, this, and the subs that came on didn't do anything. Armstrong it, did nothing. Mm. Obafemi did nothing. Mm. I think long touch the ball too late, wasn't it? Yeah, really? yeah. Went, went, off his, went off his knee 30 yards out of play, <laughs> you know. And it was just... Yeah, that doesn't I mean, sound like him either, really, does it? No, Ralph, Ralph dug all the subs out afterwards. Yeah, he did, he did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just felt like um, he'd kind of built all week to a game, presumably playing a certain formation. Mm. And I can understand how you think, well, I've seen their team sheet now and I think I know how they'll play. So I'll yeah. try and turn this kind of bad luck into something, you know, something an advantage of some mm. kind. But it just feels to me like... I know we're not as good at Spurs. I know we're going away to Spurs and we do expect to be under a certain degree of pressure. And we, we want to respond to that. But it seems to me like we didn't really kind of believe in ourselves and our own game plan. Yeah. And as soon as we saw something different from them, as you mentioned, the Ericsson for Lamella thing, it, it seemed like we just sort of thought, oh, well, that's out the window. It's we'll being reactive to... rather than proactive. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like that. And, and I, I think um, that's not kind of what we want to see. And I think when things don't go right in the end, 
you you reflect back on that in a kind of quite negative way because yeah, that's right. you wonder yeah. what could have been if you'd kind of stuck to what you thought. Um, and I am wondering this Valerie thing if it's another kind of Bertrand issue. In well, sense. Yeah. it's interesting you said that. And Steve, I'd be good to get your view on this because we had a, a tweet in today actually from uh, Stephen Densham, and Stephen said, Ben, a subject you might want to cover in this week's pod: the loss of Danny Rowell as assistant manager. I think he was the link between players and Ralph Hasenhutl. It might explain the Ryan Bertrand and Valerie issues. So not just maybe that Steve but also the tactical side that we know Danny had and look I mean we don't know the reasons why he left the club or whatever you know other than the fact he's gone to Bayern Munich but do you think that that is much more of a of a miss than maybe we think it is um yeah or are we just I would, assuming I, no I I, th- I think um well the evidence in front of our eyes tells tells us quite a lot there mm. I think the the fact that the fact that Ralph has had has felt the need to change so many things during the game is largely because he's got it wrong at the start. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you've set up all, if you've been uh, training uh, Wednesday to Friday based on a certain system you're going to play, and one of your players pulls out injured an hour before the game, and you have a player that plays in the same position, why is that? Why is that not just an automatic? Yeah. Switch. Yeah. Bring, va- bring, saying, bring, yeah. bring Valerie in. I mean, I, I, I'm, I don't necessarily subscribe to this idea that he's i mean he's not a finished article he's what 19 years of age mm. of course he's not and so but he is a right back yes and this and this is the thing i mean C- cedric to be to be fair absolutely fair to him i and because i absolutely panned him last season because i thought yeah, he was, so did i i thought he was a load of, load <laughs> I think of, we all did, load of absolute <laughs> rubbish last season before before we sent him out on loan um but fair play to him he's he's got his place back this season and he's been very good for the most part um, so actually, losing losing him in the warm up was actually a very big blow for us. Mm. Yeah. Um, but what did you make of um, Hasenhutl's comments afterwards? Because he seemed to suggest that Cedric had just kind of come in and said, "Yeah, I can't play," as if it hadn't been kind of corroborated medically speaking. Did anyone pick up on that? It's yeah. weird, isn't it? Because I mean, my my initial th- uh, one of my mates was at the game actually, and he WhatsApped our group and said Cedric's just pulled up. So that uh, you know, I didn't think anything of it until it was uh, formally announced. But my immediate thought was like, "Oh, Cedric doesn't fancy it because you know he's that sort of player." But uh, I, I think he just said he he obviously was focused on the game, and I may be wrong, but he was focused on the game. It was like 20 minutes before they were due to start. He hadn't had a chance to really speak to him in depth about it, that sort of thing. But, okay. I mean, it may be more than that. I don't know, but I guess we don't want to make mountains out of molehills. But I think that was my view on it, unless anyone disagrees. And uh, another another problem that there was with with Cedric is because of the position he played, we ended up doing the square pegs in round holes thing again, didn't mm. we? With Walt yeah. Prowse having to go right back. Yeah. If it had been, and Sun just been, tore the pieces down that yeah, side. Yeah. Well, he's got no pace, has he, either? Well, you're playing against Sun, who's, who's one of, if not the best, wide attacking player who plays down the left-hand side in the league. I'm struggling to think of one better. Sterling, Man, obviously. Yeah. But, okay. You talk about the very top players in the league. Yeah. And he's and right up there. He, he just absolutely slaughtered Ward-Prowse. I mean, if, for example, Ward-Prowse was the one who pulled up, you know, you could have changed the formation then and no one would have been playing out of position. You know, if you if you put another centre back on to replace Ward Prowse, for example, then everyone would have been playing still in the positions that they're used to. Yeah. I, I just don't think I don't think Ralph quite gets yet, or he doesn't seem to get yet that, that the players out of position is is just a horrible thing, yeah. and it, it's yeah. never going to end well. You no. may it get away with it. You may get away with it in a home game against someone weaker, but you're not going to at Spurs away. No. 
well it'll be interesting to see what happens with that one I think all in all whilst it was a frustrating end to the week at uh, Spurs we won the game that mattered most and I think hopefully that's what the week will always be remembered for Next up for Saints ahead of yet another international break is the visit of Chelsea to St Mary's. Not a great record against them, Glenn, particularly at St Mary's. I think uh, right back to the first ever game at St Mary's when they beat us 2-0. So a game we can probably get something out of, uh, but it'll be tough. Yeah, well, they haven't got Hazard anymore. Um, so and he's one the one who usually, yeah. usually, usually just absolutely murders us, doesn't he, every <laughs> single game. Um yeah, we we wanted to be playing Chelsea first week of the season, didn't we? Because mm. they they haven't been looking, they weren't looking particularly great at the start. But Lampard does seem to be uh, getting them playing the right way now, um, and and you know they're beginning to look like a very good side. Uh, I'm still not convinced by Tammy Abraham up front. Mm. Um, I think you know if we can handle him. But what worries me is the players like Hudson Odoi coming back in. Yeah. Um, he, he's he's a very good player. I like Mason Mount in midfield as yeah. well. He looks good. Yeah, and, nice and the, I was going to say, hopefully we can remind yeah, him of the yeah. score from last week. Yeah, yeah. yeah I didn't really, know, I didn't know that until uh, someone pointed out a couple of days ago. Yeah. But uh, no, I, it it'll be a tough game, and if we if we get anything out of it, that'll be uh, that'll be a good result. But it's mm. it's definitely one that we've got to go into and uh, with uh, with designs on winning it with our own game um, plan, ideally. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, it is early days for. Chelsea under Frank Lampard, Lucy, as I think uh, Glenn's rightly said there. But you know, from what you've seen so far, what do you think he's he's bought them, if anything? Because I think maybe one of the things that sort of stood out for me a bit, like Glenn's mentioned there, is you know he's starting to embed a bit more youth in the team with the likes of sort of Tamori and Mount and Abraham, obviously playing regularly. Yeah, that seems to be kind of I think it's partly enforced, isn't it, because of their yeah. transfer ban? But but that has been something that he's been keen to kind of come through with. And I think, you know, the relationship he's built with the likes of Mason Mount when he, he was managing Derby kind of has, has played into that. And, and they, they are a very youthful kind of a, exciting attacking side. Mm. Um, I think they have had problems, particularly in sustaining performances um, kind of into the second half, which I think they are slowly working on it and it's slowly becoming less of an issue. But certainly in those early games of the season, that that was the problem that they were kind of putting a really good first half performance in and, and then not, not really following it through. Mm. And I think the concern is as a Saints fan that if we start slowly, as we have been, um, and they start quickly, as they have been, the game could be out of your reach before you even really got going. Yeah. Um, and... While Glenn may have his doubts about um, Tammy Abraham, which I think are quite fair, given I think he missed four big chances in the last game. Well, I put him um, in my fantasy team about two weeks ago, and he's not scored since, so that says a lot. Yeah, that might be... Keep him in. <laughs> keep, keep, keep him in there. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, they will still provide a threat, and uh, I expect quite a high-scoring game, I think. Yeah. And from a Saints yeah. point of view, Steve, I mean... Do, 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 as it's one of the big six still, do we do we still deem these free hit? I mean, I remember when I met Ralph, he was saying that he deems these games almost Champions League game for Saints. You end up with sort of 14 teams that you're essentially playing against. Or do we think that, bearing in mind, you know, this is going into the break. We've only got seven points from seven games. We need to really get something from this game. So, I mean, do you see it as a free hit? Or do you think there's a bit of pressure on Saints to, to get something from this game? I don't think there's pressure as such. Um, but it's certainly certainly a game we can get something from. Mm. I mean, you look at our performances against Liverpool, 
and Man United. And I mean, to be fair, at times on Saturday against Spurs, um, we've we've been a lot more competitive against the top sides um, since Ralph came in. Um, under Hughes, we just roll over and damage limitation. Yeah, yep. damage limitation from, <laughs> from from the word go. And yeah. at least under Ralph, particularly at home, we're at least having a go. Mm. Um, we've got an we've got an idea of how we want to play. Whilst also, I mean, you got at the end of the day, you've got to be mindful of the fact that you're playing against better players. Yeah. Um. So you've still got to be looking at what's happening going the other way. But I think, I mean, Chelsea's defence. I mean, they've. I mean, that clean sheet that they kept on Saturday was the first <laughs> clean sheet they've kept since they their first pre-season friendly away at Shamrock Rovers in pre-season <laughs> in, effort, in yeah. July. So and um, so yeah, I think. Um, their defence is there to be got at, so mm. there's goals in it for us. Especially their left flank. Um, I mm. think with Emerson being out, um, Alonso yeah. is is a wing back. He is not a left back in my book. Mm. Um, yeah, I he, think he, can't, he can't defend. No, but even, even but even on the other side, from from what I gather, yeah, from what I gather, Aspilicueta has been awful. Mm. Yeah, he has. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, there's 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 avenues in there, and I yeah. think that's where that's where I think Buffal is going to be huge. On Sunday, I mm. think he is going. He is going to be the key because he's the one that's going to pick the lock. Yeah. What did you make of the Che Adams situation, Lucy, with uh, Ralph deciding to give him a break? I think all of us, you know, and I spoke to Adam about it, and uh, he was talking in his comments earlier about the fact that you know he was struggling a bit for confidence, you know, even trying to control the ball, run with the ball, with things like that. So obviously, Ralph said that he'd left him at home to give him a bit of a break. Do you think that that will hopefully re-energize him for this game, or do you, you know, do you think that that could potentially have again longer-term impact on some of his confidence, maybe draining a bit quicker than it might have? Yeah, it's difficult to know which way it goes. Does it take the pressure off a player and they think they've got time to kind of consider what's, you know, perhaps not gone their way and mm. what they can improve upon? Or does it crush you to the point where you think, well, I've, I've lost my starting place now to Danny Ings and I, yeah. I don't know how I'm going to get and it off he's it. scoring now, goals. Exactly, he's scoring. He scored again, yep. didn't he? I mean, yep. OK, that isn't like classic centre-forward play, but mm. that is a goal. And you yep. probably wonders to himself, like, how, does it, how, how do I get in? Especially when, as we've said before... Mm. That Ings Adams partnership, if if we play the four two two two, isn't really look hasn't really looked right, and and you'd think now Redmond's fit, he would be perhaps the kind of candidate to be the second striker. So I feel really sorry for him because mm. I think things haven't really gone his way, and I, I just hope that he kind of he kind of uses uses that time and that and that break to kind of just just to ease the pressure on himself and kind of relax a bit more because it, it looked the more he hadn't scored the more he kind of rushed things you know he's talking about him controlling the ball it looked a bit kind of he wanted he wants to make an impact and you can tell that he you know he wants to work really hard yeah. and that's almost counting against him now and, and that's really kind of quite awful to watch I think absolutely so all right then just just finally Glenn um from a Saints point of view look, as, as per last week we're not going to go through position by position but if you've got your whiteboard and your little magnets and you're in the changing room before the game the Shuman McCarthy's fit does he come back in a Shuman Cedric's fit does he come back in we don't know about Gineppo yet but would you change it much from the Spurs game the Spurs lineup that's actually started the game yeah I would I'd go back to the formation we had against Portsmouth yeah which is basically 4-3-3 um I'll have Yoshida and um Bednarek as the centre-backs McCarthy in goal Usual three in midfield mm-hmm. and up front, you'd have Buffal, Redmond and Ings at yep. the moment. And yep. Adams on the bench. Adam ne- Adams needs to spend a bit of time on the bench playing 20 minutes and just mm. see if 
you know, to see if playing against tired defences when he's fresh, you know, maybe maybe that's a way forward for a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure what to make of him being left out altogether because we could have done with him because mm. he, he wouldn't have been worse than the two idiots that come mm. on. It's funny. Yeah, think, I thought it was a strange decision yeah, to leave yeah. him out entirely. Yeah. Um, you know, we could have done with him running and, and trying to, you know, put the cat amongst the pigeons a bit because they're, they're, de- they're defending. Alderweireld all and Vertonghen were so comfortable. He would have been an ideal sub with 20 minutes Absolutely. to go, really, wouldn't he? As you say. It's funny how these things work out, isn't it? But uh, yeah. there we go. So, well, let's have uh, some predictions. Um, Lucy, we can't overlook the fact, of course, that you went for uh, Spurs to win 2-1. So uh, your first correct prediction of the season, well done. So you've actually shot to the top of uh, the table with six points. Adam has five. Um, Steve has got four. And then I picked up another point for, of course, saying that Spurs were going to win 3-0. Um, so we've got some predictions in already for the Chelsea game so good old Adam Leach has gone for Chelsea to win 2-1 I've gone for Chelsea to win 3-1 because I'm being as pessimistic as ever um Steve what do you reckon um it's one it's one of those where if you get a good start then then you've got them on the back foot and I think they'll we've got a week to kind of sort out what we didn't do well at Tottenham Mm. and I think if we make a fast start which would be which would make a very pleasant change for this season. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to stick my neck out and say we're actually going to start fast this right. uh, this week. Wow. Is that your prediction? Yeah. We're going to start fast. Is, I'll just that write that down. That's the key prediction. <laughs> so as so as a result, we're we're going to win three two. Three two, cool. Yeah. Excellent value for money on that one. Defense is on top. Yeah, the wow. sixty five pound seats will be delighted with that scoreline. So that's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Lucy, what about you? Um, I'm going to go. I mean, you're with on a two, roll now. Two two, two, two yeah. Um, I think there'll be goals yep. because I don't have faith in either defence, if I'm honest. Yep. Um, and I think we'll start slowly but come back into it. So yeah. the reverse of what Steve's just predicted. But yes. Good. All right. Glenn, there's not a clean sheet anyway. Yeah? Are you going to add to that? No. <laughs> no. Um, and I'm probably not going to be on a podcast next week, so I'll go 4-0 to Saints. <laughs> you, can take, you, can take, you can take the piss all you want. Um, no. Um, I, Lucy stole what I was actually going to say. Um, yeah, yeah two all draw. I, I watched Chelsea play their game against Liverpool a couple of weeks ago, and as everyone said, their, their defence looked dodgy, mm. um, especially in the air. The ball, the ball in the air, they didn't look comfortable at all. Yeah. Um, I don't know how how tall Tamori is. He doesn't look the tallest. He's quick though, isn't he? Um, he's, he's quick. He's, he's quick, quick but, he kept but, up with Salah amazingly well. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. But um, when when the corners came over. You know, and the second goal was a you know Firmino header from three yards, wasn't it? Because yeah. just no one, no one jumped they in. Set piece at all, did they? Yeah, they they didn't defend set pieces particularly well. So you never know. I think uh, yeah, two two is a is a decent prediction. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast, which was us predominantly wallowing in a superb South Coast Derby win, of course. A big thanks to Lucy, Steve and Glenn. We'll be back again next week to discuss reaction on the Chelsea game. And as long as everything goes to plan, we'll also hear from former Saints goalkeeper. He's not finished. He's only 28. Anthony Niemi. Until then, wherever you are, have a good week. And remember, there is only one team in Hampshire. Keep marching in.
away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.